You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley, and we have my wife, Cassandra, again for part three of our mycotoxin series. Yes. So we appreciate you being back. I think you kind of gave me a heads up that you might have to uh, make me do this by myself for a little while. Yes. So hope you listeners are all okay with that. I'm sure that uh, it's probably a lot more informative when you're here because you ask questions I don't think about. Well, so. you're the expert, so they're here to hear what you have to say. Yeah, but it kind of helps when uh, when people ask questions that I don't think about. So anyhow, today is episode 248. Like I said, this is our part three of mycotoxins and toxic mold. I've gotten a, quite a bit of feedback and, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before, even some of our, I wouldn't call them competitors, but fellow mold companies, you know, have like different opinions as far as mold and mycotoxins and whatnot. But it's interesting to hear the different opinions from other specialists. Because a lot of companies really, and I don't want to pick on the national uh, franchise companies, but I think if you asked one of their technicians about mycotoxins, I don't think they'd have a clue what you were talking about. Which is interesting because it seems like more and more mycotoxins are, are becoming a thing that's talked about, but it's still pretty early. Yeah, it's um, even for me, you know, I... I, for the most part, didn't talk a whole lot about mycotoxins, just because a lot of it's the medical side of things. But it's a very controversial, when I say controversial, like the, how you get rid of them and all that stuff. There's, there's a, a lot of differing opinions about it. So, 
you know, it's like I said, since we've started talking about it, you know, I've had people reach out and I've seen the comments, you know, from other professionals um, on social media that are like, yeah, I'd never use ozone or I used to use ozone and I, I'll never use it anymore. There's just a lot of differing opinions out there. And, and you could say the same on the medical side of it. Absolutely. You know, right now we're creating that digital package and you print it off, what, probably four different uh, websites. Resources. Yep. And I was reading through some of the content and it is like one company totally contradicts the next company. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, there's so much information out there, but there's a lot of it that people just don't know who to trust or what to trust. And remember what I said to you, I said, well, who am I to say that, that this way's right? I'm not a scientist or whatnot, but Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, this is what I deal with all the time. Absolutely. And you, you understand how indoor air quality in the home should go. Right. And what measures need to be taken to keep indoor air quality where it needs to be. Whether it's a mold issue or it's a mycotoxin yeah. issue or uh, it's a radon issue, all of it's indoor air quality. Exactly. Yep. And that's, you know, we try to focus on other things that can impact people's health inside the home. And I don't, you know, I got certified as a radon tester Jeez, years ago, like probably 2006, five, maybe even earlier. I don't remember. But a lot of a lot of times we don't, a lot of people just, they think about indoor air quality and all they think about is mold. And then even on top of mold, that's why we, you know, wanted to talk about mycotoxins. So there is, there's just so much in, in the home that has to do with air quality. And a lot of people just... I don't say want to say overlook it, but we don't realize the impact, especially, you know, after COVID, I think as a, I was going to say a nation, but it's the whole world was impacted by it. People spent so much time in their homes. And Absolutely. I think that's when they started looking more at the indoor air quality. Yeah, for sure. And people are still spending more time in their homes than they were pre-COVID because of there still is a fear lingering around, you know, germs and spreading viruses. And so lots of people who used to be out and about are much more homebound after the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's when it comes to indoor air quality, you're being exposed, obviously, to whatever it is that much more. Absolutely. You know, and so it's a, it's just an interesting topic, but, but anyhow, one of the questions I get all the time, like, so who do I hire? If I was to ask you, like, who would you hire for mycotoxin concerns? Well, I'd hire you. Right. That's easy. But, (laughs) but but you don't, but you don't really know. I mean, I think you have to ask questions. You have to interview potential mold experts and you have to say to them, are you familiar with mycotoxins? Have you done mycotoxin removals? Do you have references? And that may mean you're going to have to look a long time to find a company that does. Yep. And it's, you know, the, the mycotoxin removal or disabling mycotoxins so that you neutralize it, however you want to word it, By no means do I think that there's one perfect way to take care of it or address mycotoxins. It's the same as mold remediation. There's so many different steps that a lot of companies take, but you have to have that right company. Like if, if, if our listener was, and they have mycotoxin concerns, so let's say they've done the Emma test, which is a mold and mycotoxin test. It came back positive. And they had to hire a professional. 
if you ask that professional, you just send them an email or text or call their office or how, however you're communicating with them, and you ask them, what's your stance on mycotoxins? How do you deal with that? And if the company's like, oh, mycotoxins, that's nothing. You know, once you get rid of the mold infestation, it's fine. If that's what our listener's hearing, you probably should find somebody that, that's aware of mycotoxins and what they are. And it it's kind of a, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, you might find somebody that's very well aware of mycotoxins, but they might say to you, well, all you do is fog mm-hmm. or run an ozone machine. And it's like, wow, I, I thought this person seemed knowledgeable. But then on the other hand, that should be a red flag. Absolutely. You know, and I guess my whole point with that is, is you have to, you, you cannot get rid of the mycotoxins if you do not get rid of the mold infestations or the mold colonies Yes, that are producing and releasing those. Those mycotoxins. And, and yeah, mold removal is a different process entirely from mycotoxin removal, right? Exactly. Okay. Yes. And so, you know, when we deal with, with mold remediation, we're typically... And I say typically, and I say this all the time, every mold remediation project, every mold inspection, every mold client is different and unique. But for the most part, when we're dealing with mold remediation, we're inside of a containment. And as far as getting rid of the mold that we're aware of and we're chasing it and chasing water stains or whatever we're doing, that's a totally separate thing than the mycotoxins. Because the mycotoxins, depending on numerous factors, you know, they're heating and air conditioning system. You know, if they have a forced air system, those mycotoxins can be anywhere throughout the home. Even if they don't have an HVAC or a forced air air handler, the mycotoxins can end up wherever they want to end up. So it's my point is, is when we're dealing with mold, we're dealing with a, a containment and everything inside of that. We're not addressing anything outside of the containment. And that's where we go into, you know, to get rid of the mycotoxins or to neutralize them, to prevent them from doing any harm to humans. And it can affect pets too. We have to address outside of the containment. Absolutely. And if we have clients that aren't familiar with mycotoxins, they're not willing to pay, maybe it's an insurance claim, they might not pay for that that deep clean. And, you know, the getting rid of the mycotoxin part has it's a whole separate process, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, so then I would assume that mycotoxin removal is preceded by mycotoxin testing to make sure that you know, like people may be concerned about mycotoxins, but shouldn't they get it tested to verify? Yeah. I mean, it that's kind of a double-edged sword there. Like you could look at it either way. Now, are you asking, should they test for it if this is just a listener that thinks they're sick? Or are we talking post-mitigation, uh, mold remediation? Like, Well, I... The reason I'm asking the question is because I, I know I've heard you say, if you can see visible black mold, for example, testing is not like you see it. So you know it's there. You know that you have you have a toxic mold issue. The black mold is on the walls or on the sheetrock. So you could still do testing. But the fact is that the fact that it's visible tells you it's there. I don't think mycotoxins are the same in that way because no. they're not visible that way. So exactly. should you test before you remove or if somebody's sick, you just do a deep clean because a deep clean helps in general. So to to answer your question, as far as if you're going to have mold remediation done, should you do mycotoxin testing prior to remediation? I would say no. Okay. Because 
if you were to test and the test comes back positive. So you got to remember the Emma test is 10 to 15 of the mycotoxins that are most harmful to humans. So if it, let's say the mycotoxin side comes back positive, if it comes back positive, you have a problem, period. Mm-hmm. It's not like a mold test where a mold, like an air test, is always going to come back positive. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. A mycotoxin test just tells us, yeah, there's mycotoxins. If we do that test prior to remediation, it's kind of expected that that could come back positive. Now, if our listeners are questioning the validity or the necessity of having mycotoxin or mycotoxins addressed beyond the mold remediation, I would recommend doing it with your PRV testing, which is post-remediation verification. Okay. Because everything's been done. And let's just say you don't want to spend the extra $1,500 or whatever the company's going to charge you. You could just say, yeah, we're, we're going to wait and see, and then we'll do a test with the PRV testing. In my opinion, and once again, it's kind of something to address. And I know, I know my fellow professionals might disagree with me on this one, but I've always felt, and once again, circumstances can change from job to job. But for the most part, if we see visible mold, we see a visible mold infestation, and we need to do remediation, I don't believe there should be any mold testing. And a lot of people will be like, well, well, how, how do you deal with, um, let's just say a common mold type versus stachybotrys? Our mold remediation protocols do not change based on the mold types present. Now, does that mean you should never do testing? I'm not saying that, but in my opinion, I think it's better well served for our clients to spend the money in testing and our PRV testing. And that way you can do, because PRV testing and just running air tests, and I'm sure my fellow mold specialists will agree with this, I don't believe an air test is a proper way to to do PRV testing and then walk away and say, yeah, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. I don't believe air testing by itself, no matter what you're dealing with when it comes to mold, is the proper thing. Just because different mold spores have different characteristics, so you might not always pick it up in an air test. My point is, is I wanted to explain to our listeners why I don't believe testing is necessary prior to remediation. Absolutely. Did I go, did I make it sound really, really complicated? Well, you you explain that what I'm hearing you say is for mycotoxin testing, it makes sense to to handle any mold remediation that needs to happen in that home. And then as part of PRV testing to do mycotoxin testing. Exactly. Okay. Yep. yep. And even, you know, let's just say that, that the client doesn't have the money, can't afford to do the EMA testing and PRV testing. You know, are there circumstances where I would tell my clients, you know, that's fine. You don't have to have that done. Of course, you know, if, if they went through the whole remediation process, they did PRV testing, which I don't agree, air testing by itself is is accurate and you know they're they're not really mold sensitive i would say yeah you don't have to do the emma testing if you still can't detox then maybe we should go down that road but on the other hand it can really it's a it's a way and i'm not sure how to word this in in the medical terms but it's just a way to rule out certain things an emma test would rule out mycotoxins if it's done properly correct correct even if an Emma test came back negative, meaning it didn't show anything, depending on the client and the whole situation, that still doesn't say 100% there's no mycotoxins. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Um, so so again, it's, it feels like 
a lot of it depends on the situation mm-hmm. and the dynamics and what the right. specific client is dealing with. Which now, which brings up, like I said, that's why to me it makes sense to save the client the money on the front end pre remediation testing and and use that money after for PRV testing. Does that make sense? It does, but I guess I I, I can hear a lot of homeowners saying, "Okay, that makes sense, but." If I have to leave my home while you're doing mold remediation, wouldn't it be good while I'm out of my home that you also do mycotoxin remediation if there is a mycotoxin issue rather than doing the mold remediation, doing mycotoxin testing during the PRV period, figuring out maybe there is mycotoxin issues. And now what? Do I have to leave my home again for mycotoxin remediation? Well, yeah, and you would. And, and like I said, what it, what it typically boils down to, it's not... It's not Tip, if if money wasn't an issue, of course we would deal with it that way. But the, that's where we run into issues with our clients because the, addressing the mycotoxins involves something totally. To me, it's totally separate from the mold remediation. It's outside the containment. Even if we're not dealing with mycotoxins, this is just how CNC contractor services and we operate. You you have to do a deep clean anyways of the entire home. Now, does it vary based on different circumstances? Of course. But like, if you don't have your ducts cleaned, if you don't do the deep clean, those mycotoxins are not going to be addressed. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in a perfect world, of course, we're going to do all that while they're gone. That's what we would prefer to do. Like, let's address the mycotoxins. But let's say it's an extra $1,500, two grand. I don't know. Depends. If our client can't afford that, then we have to kind of go down the route that they're taking us. Absolutely. So so what I hear you saying in terms of mycotoxin remediation, it's a totally different process. It happens outside of the containment. Mm-hmm. And it requires a totally different protocol than what you'd be exactly. doing for mold remediation. Exactly. Okay. You know, that's why, as I say all the time, mold is the gift that keeps on giving. It's so complex. Every situation is different. I can't sit here on a podcast or even if a client reaches out to me, sends me an email and says, well, you know, we did the mycotoxin testing. It came back positive. What do we do now? I can't even answer that. Does that make sense? It would require further consultation and understand the dynamics and it would require customization. Exactly. And so, you know, I don't want our listeners to think, oh, well, Steve's not going to give us any ideas, but we can't start the work plan or the SOW until we know all the facts. Absolutely. So, so, but the reality is, let's say somebody hires a, a mold company local to them and they have the, the mycotoxin deep cleaning remediation process happen. What do they do after the, the mycotoxin remediation? They would do the EMA test. Okay. Which Just to verify that the levels have gone down. Okay. So to be clear, obviously mycotoxins and mold, two totally separate things. If you do an EMA test and it comes back positive, there's mycotoxins. Because what the EMA test is, is then it stands for, in case our listeners haven't been listening to the prior episodes, EMA, which is E-M-M-A, is Environmental Mold and Mycotoxin Assessment. It's actually two different tests. So one test is the PCR side of things. That's the mold side. That's where it goes down to the mold species. What it's going to report is, I think it's 15, 10 to 15 of the 
most common mold species that can produce mycotoxins. So it's only telling us if it can produce those mycotoxins. Then a totally separate test is the mycotoxin test. So the mycotoxin test, if it comes back positive, there's mycotoxins present. So the mycotoxin test is like a pregnancy test. Nobody's a little bit pregnant. Right. So exactly. either either you have the mycotoxins yep. or you don't. Yep. Okay, that's yeah, and it's not. Like. And the reason I want to explain it that way is is because a lot of times I hear people say, "Yeah, I did some mold air testing and it came back positive." Well, yeah, mold spores are actually present in the air. Yeah. That's not an alarm. That's not a red flag to us. Yeah. The mycotoxins is. Exactly. And so, but once again, I want to be clear too with our listeners, just because it comes back negative doesn't mean there's no mycotoxin concerns. Well, then what does it mean if it comes back negative? It could have been done, the test could have been done improperly. So how do you know the test is done pro- has been done properly? Well, if I haven't done it, then I would ask questions. So the EMMA test is you're going to take, you want to, it's similar to the ERMI. So I want to explain to our listeners the difference between an ERMI test and an EMMA test. ERMI is only testing in its 26 different mold species that are capable of producing mycotoxins. It's only telling us if they're capable of doing it. Whereas the EMMA is both the PCR side, are they capable? And the mycotoxin side. So obviously the EMA is preferable if it tells you both sides of it. Exactly. Is it it capable, but is it actually there doing that? Okay. Yeah. So the ERMI is, and our listeners know this, and I want to be clear about this. I don't think that an ERMI test is a waste of money, but if you had a choice between an ERMI and an EMA, I would do an EMA any day over an ERMI. And because you get more information. Exactly. And on top of that, I do feel that the ERMI test is used as a, a yes or, you know, a positive or negative type of test. And if the ERMI scores low enough, you think you're fine. That doesn't, that doesn't tell us anything. And when I say doesn't tell us anything, that's not an accurate way of testing. No, I agree. And you, if you do an ERMI with, you know, with an inspection and maybe tape lifts and other things, you can get a good idea. But if you don't do the mycotoxin testing, that's the most important part of it. Absolutely. And, and I think what you're really coming to is the fact that for any listener who's hearing all of the, this, these terminology things and processes and they're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, that's why you're offering consultations right. along with the mycotoxin testing because yep. it is a lot of information. It's a lot to absorb. It's a lot to figure out if it was done right. And that's what makes it useful to have you yeah. consulting with them on it. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, to me, it's it's no different than anything on the medical side. If, if you went and did... Uh, What's the test they do for for women for breast cancer? Mammogram. So if you go do a mammogram and they tell you it's cancerous, you don't just take that to the bank, right? You go get a second opinion. And a third opinion. And just because there could be, just like the the EMMA test, they might have done, and the EMMA test is dust. Mm -hmm. They might have just wiped it on like this desk we're sitting at that's clean. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it came back negative, but you took the sample from somewhere that's clean. Exactly. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So it's not a a definitive, we're going to take this to the bank if the EMMA comes back negative. Now, once again, and this is where it's so complicated, if our 
if if I have a client and they're like, you know, we've done, this is a brand new home. We've done mycotoxin testing. It comes back negative. We've done air testing, which is mold testing. We've had a proper inspection of the property. There's no water stains. There's nothing that's alarming. What happens a lot of times is in, in you know, the professionals that are listening, you know, hopefully they're listening to learn and we can all learn together. But there are times where a mold professional says, oh, we did air testing or mycotoxin testing and you're fine. Mm -hmm. You can't look at it from that aspect. Because even for me, then I look at it and I go, well, is it VOCs we're dealing with? Mm -hmm. Like, is it something else in the air? And so it's a, that's what makes mold so complicated. Absolutely. It's the gift that keeps giving. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's even for me myself, like I'm always trying to do research. Like I'm always trying to learn more and more and more. And it's endless how much I could learn. I mean, it's crazy how complex it can get. Absolutely. So what's your call to action for people? If you're going to have mold remediation done or deal with mycotoxins, make sure you have the proper company. Don't go off of their website that says they're IICRC certified or they're ICAC or whatever. Make sure you ask them some questions. And and I don't care. There's I have I have a pretty big Steve Haters Club out there, so it doesn't bother me. But you can even bring me up and just say, hey, I listened to a podcast. This guy brings up A, B, C, and D. You know, do you guys do those things? And they can call me every name in the book and say, I don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, ask questions. Absolutely. And didn't we create a digital or an opt-in deciding or choosing your mold? I think we we did. We'll have to put it uh, a link in the description of the episode. But we've also got uh, a mycotoxin digital bundle coming out and you offer consultation. Exactly. Yep. And for, for our listeners, we do have it. Uh, it's, It's all live on the website. Now we do have the mycotoxin test. Um, we have the, just the testing package and then my analysis of the results. We have two other packages beyond that. One includes a VPA and a consultation. So, you know, we, we offer plenty of packages. So there's there's plenty out there, you know, for our, our listeners to learn from. Absolutely. All right. I appreciate all of you for listening. And this was episode 248. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the mold investigation checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free mold investigation checklist today. You can also on cnccontractorservices.com find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com.